Hello, my name is Professor Amy Keeley and welcome to the Master Toolbox. The reason why I have named this podcast show the Master Toolbox um, is that I'm always telling everybody that you use your tools in your toolbox and that may mean people around you to help you either get where you need to be career-wise, um, opening up your own business as an entrepreneur, um, or wherever you might need the help. Um, but it's learning what your toolbox is. And so I have, um, I guess I'd say an expanded toolbox because one of the things that um, I think has made me unique through the years is that I am interested in learning and there's nothing I say no to. Well, maybe a couple things that I say no to, but for the most part, I don't. And that's got me to this point where I have a pretty extensive toolbox, don't really need to ask a lot of people for help um, because I know where to go to get my help. But when I do ask for help, I know the people to ask help um, because there are some people out there who could be your best friends in the entire world. And if you lean in to them because you really need their help, they will lean back because they can't give you that help. So how do you find the people around you that can give you the help you need? So one of the things that I'm doing in this master toolbox is kind of beginning with showing you the different areas of, of my skill set so that if you guys need my help in any way, I do have a consulting company and I have some pay it forward programs to make it easier to use my services uh, because obviously it's very expensive to use expert consultants and I do realize that especially if you're an entrepreneur or you're trying to get things going in your career but one of the things that I always tell people though is that money well spent um, you could spend a lot of money on a lot of different consultants who can't help you or you can go to a consultant pay a little bit of extra money and know you're going to get the results that you need so one of the things that I am as I'm an award-winning marketer and that is very difficult to say that because they don't give them out like candy. Uh, it's not what people typically think it is. Um, it's that you have gone through this process of you've created a branding campaign and or a targeted campaign and you've done your advertising, you know, so your TV, radio, uh, social media. Uh, you may have created your own sound bid like I did in, in my campaigns that I won the, camp the American Marketing Association Award for and I won the Silver Microphone Award for them. And it's you put all those things in combination and they're very unique, how you arrive at taglines and logos and offers and prices and you know creative aesthetic and all those di different things in combination of market research that's giving you information on how to be able to shape your campaign. But to get an American Marketing Association Award, which is the highest, it's like the Oscars in the marketing industry, um, it is the highest level award that you can be awarded for your work. And what you have to do is to prove that your work was successful. So it's not just that you did it, it's how many people responded to your ad. That's a cost per lead. How much money did I spend? How many people did I get to either pick up the phone, click, or email? however they communicate with you through those methods to want to buy your product. But that doesn't mean that they bought your product. That just means that your advertising was compelling enough or your, your, your offer was compelling enough or your pricing was compelling enough to get someone to pick up the phone and call you. But you can still blow it at that point. So you have to have 
you know, are there a website that's comprehensive that makes it easy for them to buy or a call center rep that's on the phone that's trained really well to be able to explain the product or service and get them engaged, you know, do a little bit of selling, which really is relationship building, sharing case studies, sharing stories, and then getting them to buy. And I take it a little bit further because I'm a full supply chain marketer. And I have uh, on my website, hunterhennessy.com, I did a roadmap of what that means because many people will say that they're a digital marketer or a content marketer or a social media marketer. But a supply chain marketer is every component of marketing all put together. So it's very complex in a way, but very dynamic, but also very easy. Like when you understand supply chain management, it's really easy um, to be an overlay to that when it comes to marketing. So it's, again, hard to get the award because you have to prove that not only was your, your whole campaign compelling enough to get someone to pick up the phone, but then did they buy? But as a supply chain marketer, I'm interested, did they stay as a customer? And did they rebuy as a customer and continue to buy and maybe even make referrals of people to buy? So a full supply chain marketer is looking at it from everything from product development, and we're definitely widget idea people. We're market researchers, so our brains are always out there looking at information, which is part of what makes us good at product development and service development, is that we're always out there doing market research, competitive shops, you know, interested in what's going on, um, so we can see behind the curtains of how things are, are, are made or what the service delivery might like or gimmicks. We see those very easy. All the way through the manufacturing process, how do you make it, how do you service it, how, all of that, all the way to the customer service and on. And again, are you getting repeat business? Are you upselling customers? Are you getting customer referrals because you know all your NPS, your NSP score or NPS score is correct, and that's your um, net promoter score, um, which means that people will be out promoting you. And if your score is high, then that means that they really like your service. So there's a couple of people that I really look to as mentors in a way, which is Steve Jobs. Um, a lot of people look at Steve Jobs um, as a mentor, uh, but it's, you know, I have, you know, people that I know that I would say are mentors, but I look to him to say, hey, you're a billionaire, you arrived, what did you do at the very beginning of your career? And I mean, even before you started your career, what kind of choices were you making? What were you interested in? What was your work ethic like? What was your parents' life? When did you start working in the business? How did you get interested in this? You know, asking all those questions, you know, is, is really the beginning of market research and why you take those people you pick and you really understand them to say, is this really somebody who I, not barring the money, because you, know, you can look at many different billionaires or millionaires who've made money, but you wanna find somebody who's closely aligned to the same ideology that you have or the same product or service that you have so that ultimately when you're looking at what they've done along the way and their roadmap to success, you can use that roadmap to success with slight modifications to what you're doing. So along the way, that's how I've developed my, my toolbox. And my toolbox is also developed by my interest and never saying no to learning. So for example, I am a photographer. That's what I started. My, my interest in high school was fashion photography and doing headshots like Francesco Scavulu and Richard Avedon, who are really, I'd say, you know, icons that I look at in photography that I want my work to look similar or I'm interested in, in, in what they were doing. And that's really what I started out with. 
you know, my career. And there may be many people who say, well, photography and, and marketing, how, and yes, there are some similarities. I mean, photography ends up in content. It ends up as products, you know, product photo shoots. It ends up um, as an aesthetic that you create. And that aesthetic is what you are going to build your brand off of. What is it that you're messaging out using images? So as a fashion photographer, I know the games behind the scenes. I know what I do to make that shot look like what I want you to think it looked like. Uh, so that also makes me in some ways very jaded when I look at something because I'm always asking the question, okay, is that a legit? Um, and then you compound the fact that we live in a world of digital age where a pixel can be modified. And now, you know, you really have to understand perspective. You really have to understand the mechanics of, you know, how photography works, how it can be manipulated. And obviously I'm a graphic designer because those two go hand in hand. And I've taught classes at the Art Institute uh, for photography and graphic design. So that kind of, you know, also brings in the marketing piece. It's on the creative side of marketing, but it's still a component of marketing. I do, you know, again, marketing consulting and we can come in in any place. Like if you want to start a company, but you don't really know what product or service you should think of, or you've got a couple of ideas that you're developing, but you're not quite sure. I can do the product development ideas. I can walk into your organization. And if you're stagnant, I can say, you know what? You do this, you should probably think about doing that because you could build a, a product line off of that. So I'm very good at, at doing that. And then business consulting as well kind of goes hand in hand because as a marketer, I'm an overlay to business. So I'm watching operations and I typically in the corporate world got pulled into operations. Um, and that might be service delivery, account management, uh, you know, a variety of different components to, you know, to, you know, to the operations of how do you put that widget together? Or how do you deliver that widget? What are the processes and the quality management um, processes that you're going to employ? How are you going to get feedback loops so that you know how to make your product better? Uh, you know, all of those things in business, I get pulled into them because I'm, I'm, as a marketer watching it, but I'm looking at business from a different perspective than the people that are in the operation or the guts of the business. And so those two, you know, are primarily what my company offers is that business consulting and marketing. And the reason why those are two very important components that go together is that you can make a great product, but not make any money, or you can have a, you know, you know, a great operations, um, that doesn't really deliver the product that you need. So there's many different reasons why products fail. And so that process of quality management and knowing exactly, exactly how you want your product made so that every time it's made, it's the same. Or when somebody picks up the phone, you've got scripts so that every time that customer calls, they're going to have similar experiences. So those are all critical to making sure that your service delivery or your, you know, your service delivery, what somebody buys from you continues and it continues at a, at a rate that they're going to want to continue to buy or recommend people to you. So those are the two main focus areas. And then I, I came from working in the workforce management industry. And what that really provided me was where my brain popped at how global business works, because 
when you understand how a company hires and uses its worker base, you can see those companies that are not effective um, when they're churning and burning through people or when they can't find the right person or if they're struggling in the need bodies right away to be able to get something out the door, you can start to see how they operate. And so I've managed some really large multi-billion dollar companies and their programs for them in a variety of different industries, whether it's insurance, um, medical device, uh, I've you know, chemical companies, a variety of them, so that it helps round out how that works. You know where all their locations are, you know what their needs are, you know what, you know, are they hiring IT people more right now? You know, so there's a lot of things that working in the workforce management industry has taught me. And so part of one of the other divisions that I have in my company is in that area specifically is coming in and auditing. And now that I know what I know, I also know what I know. And I know where companies are struggling and why in these programs a supplier may not do very well. It's because they've oversold themselves and what they say they can do, which is very common in sales, but you have to back it up. So you may not have ever done it before, but you've either hired people who know how to do it, or you can you, you trust your operations enough to be able to shift very quickly to be able to, to deliver what you put in your proposal to your client. So I know why these suppliers don't do well. So one of the things that I've done recently is I just had my final uh, WBE certification meeting, which went very well. So I've been told to expect my, my women's business enterprise, that's the WBE certification, which just says I'm a women's owned enterprise and I'm running it myself. And those will open doors that you didn't expect to open. And there's other diversity certifications that I talk about in different podcasts as well. And that's, again, if you need help understanding that, then you find the people who know it. And if you can't get to those, then you find other people who are experts at it. So I am an expert at diversity and understanding how those, those can work, either to your benefit as a supplier or as a company, how to, to be able to get the best out of your tiered uh, supplier base. And I'm also, uh, you know, again, obviously with business, I, it goes hand in hand with small business. There are, believe it or not, 33 million small businesses that are out there and 20,197 large corporate businesses. And that's according to the Department of Labor and the Small Business Administration, which is shocking when you really understand that all you hear about is Coca-Cola and Pepsi. But there are a lot of, of other companies that are out there that are smaller, doing something very similar, but you just don't hear about them. So how do we make them more successful? Because the, the death rate of small business is horrific. And that's really what pivoted my career uh, to teaching and really getting back into the corporate world, which I didn't really want to do, but I did it for a reason. But now I'm back to building my consulting business because I wanted to understand a few things about the market because I was teaching. And so I came back out and wanted to understand things. So it's almost market research. But how do we make small businesses successful? Because there's such a large death rate and or they're struggling every single day. And whatever we have, these platforms that are out there, it's not working. Let me just say that again. It's not working. So giving small businesses money doesn't necessarily work because when you give them money, if their operations aren't efficient, 
if they're not making the right decisions, if they're not spending their money in the right places, they will still fail. So it's really important that you give them mentorship. But the problem with mentorship, they're so busy working in their business because they're usually a one or two person operation that they don't have time to, to, to do business, business webinars. And I know that because I've run my own small business. And I remember somebody saying, well, hey, the chamber's having this event. You know, why don't you come? It'll help you. And I'm like, because I'd love to, but I can't. Because in order to trade off of going to that meeting, yes, I might get more business, but I'm going to lose immediate business that's needed to keep my company going. So there's a lot of trade-offs that a lot of people, especially in government, don't understand because they've never worked in business. They don't understand business. Um, they can go to all the seminars they want about running a small business, but unless you run one, you don't understand the scope and the depth of the commitment that is required, hours you put into it, brainstorming sessions, you know, missed meetings and lunches and and you know, friends go by the wayside because they don't understand why you've sort of like disappeared. But that's the commitment that you make. And you may be successful and you may not. But if you're not, that's okay. <laughs> Ted Turner failed three times before he created CNN. Henry Ford started with the Model A and didn't, wasn't successful until the Model T. That's all the way down the alphabet. So what makes a really good entrepreneur is somebody who says, okay, I didn't make it that time. Let me reinvent myself. Let me try it again. And that's what's missing with a lot of people in entrepreneurship is that they get so defeated when it doesn't work right the first time. And what that's the difference between the billionaires and millionaires is that they'll retweak it. They'll go at it differently. They'll scrap it and start all over again because maybe there was a nugget of something in that experience that they were able to formulate a new idea that was successful. So that's, you know, I, some of the, in the consulting side what I do. So again, I can come in and just give you advice on what you need to do or if I'm saying to you hey you need to update your website and you're saying you're like hey I don't have time then I can do project work as well I do have teams of people that I can say hey can you go in there and tweak this website for them and we are fully adaptable in most website platforms so there's a lot of that and so I I understand that I mean I'm a really good problem solver I've had people make the comment that um, when they say oh well I'm having this problem and like less than maybe 10 seconds to a minute, I can figure out a solution for them um, or something to at least begin to work with, if not the final solution. And that's just because my brain has been taught to work very quickly in problem solving mode. And so that it's so honed, I don't even think about it now. But I've had a number of people who look at me kind of funny, like, did you really think of that that fast? And that's a lifetime of learning. That's my dad and mom putting me in business at the age of eight running concession stands because they didn't have a babysitter. And I thank them now more than ever for putting me in the business at a very young age. And, you know, that's where I learned. Um, everything that is the basis and the foundation that has helped me learn faster and be inquisitive and never say no and never give up and be tenacious. My mom, you know, called me tenacious as a kid, you know, just always coming at it different ways. And that's the entrepreneurial spirit. It needs to be there for you to be an entrepreneur. Um, I'm also what I like to call a noble warrior. We have a lot of warriors that are out there, whether they're athletes or in the entertainment world who I feel very strongly about. And I'm writing my dissertation in, in it right now, um, and I'm in a PhD program. And 
I'm also a, becoming a philosopher artist. Uh, that's an artist philosopher, whichever you like to, to call it. And it, I now see how it aligns very closely to marketing and what I'm interested in and where your knowledge comes from because philosophy is not an art and it's not a science. Um, it's about knowledge, it's about understanding yourself. And what do we marketers do is we're understanding ourselves but we're also understanding you know, potential consumers and how to be able to engage with them at different levels. So a noble warrior though for me and I started to say, like, you've got all these athletes and celebrity athletes and in government even. Hey, I'm here to help you. I, you know, I'll take care of you. Vote for me. I, you know, I'm your man. I'll go, or woman, I'll go to Congress and I will fight for you. And you keep hearing that. I fight for you. I'm on a platform. I use my platform to help you. Does it really help you? Because what you don't see behind the curtain is they're hoarding their wealth. Sure, you're going to say, yeah, they have foundations, but go look at the financials of their foundations. Very few of them give a good proportion of their wealth to the foundation. What they do is they leverage their celebrity status with a Nike or Coca-Cola, who then donates millions to their nonprofit so that they can stand out and have the photos taken about what great work they're doing. And don't get me wrong, their causes are very noble. They're hoarding their wealth. They're worth 300 million, 400 million, a billion. At what point do you realize that in your lifetime, you're never going to spend that money? And giving it to your children, in most cases, will wreck your children because they didn't learn to earn it themselves. And there's a very direct correlation to owners who built their business their entire lifetime and hand that legacy to their children who then kill it. Now there are obviously success stories where a child has gone beyond what a parent has given them. And a lot of that is because they're very involved in the business and growing it. But there are many, many other cases where a child will drive a company into the ground because they don't have the passion for it. It's not their interest. They weren't taught hard work. Mom and dad were making good money. So they are allowed to be kids, not you know business professionals at a young age. So, but a noble warrior, is somebody who like in many cases, and this is where I, I now that I'm going to be doing consulting for a time, I have to learn how to do this a little bit, but I give my ideas away. I'm more interested in helping people get to where they want to go with the knowledge that's in my head. So that's why I've put together some pay it forward programs to be able to help those people that don't have a lot of money be able to still use my, my, my knowledge to be able to get them where they need to go. But you can ask any student that I still am, have been in contact with and I've told them in many of all my classes, you can contact me after the class and I will still help you. Um, and it's because I care. I care that now I've acquired all this knowledge so that my toolbox box is like the Swiss Army knife that's on the cover of my podcast. And how do I use that knowledge for good? And if I make a lot of money, that's fine. I'm okay with making a lot of money. There's no problem with making a lot of money. It's what you do with your money. So that's my whole argument with why I don't like celebrity. It's what they do with their money. So for example, when you've heard some of these hurricane relief funds, and I heard, I think it was, I can't remember, I don't want to say his name, um, but a very well-known comic that came out and challenged all the celebrities to give a million dollars to the relief help funds. And you always notice that it's pretty much at a million dollar cap. Like some of them, big actresses will give like 
$630,000 of this or that. And I always ask myself, because again, this is where as an artist philosopher, a philosopher is asking a lot of questions, as we all should be asking questions. Why is it always a million dollars? I'll tell you why it's always a million dollars, because the IRS gives tax credits based on your income level. And once you hit a certain income level, what you write off doesn't count anymore. So you can write things off that you don't get money back on. That's why there's the cap. So as a marketer, I see behind that. And I'd say also as a philosopher now, as I consider myself to be a philosopher, um, I can see those things that other people can't see. And that's where I can help with looking at behind the curtain that normal people are not trained to see behind the curtain. Because if you're building your, a company based on what's in front of the curtain versus what's behind the curtain, you're never going to be successful. So that's why I've kind of started this different podcast with the idea of having a master tool, toolbox and my being that Swiss army knife for people who need help. And so in my, you know, my credit below the, the credits in my YouTube channel, I've got listed all my social media channels and also my website that you can go out to, to look at. Uh, but I'm also going to be sharing stories. So I'm going to have obviously sort of lectures because I'm a college professor. So that's what I do. But I'm also going to do critiques. So like there's a food critic, there's, you know, a film critic. I'm going to go critique businesses as well. But my hope is that somehow that critique gets to that business so that they can take my ideas um, and be able to modify their business to hopefully see if what my suggestions are work. And if you see a little bit of lift, because sometimes it's not a huge lift you're going to see. It's, it's a little bit of lift. If you see a difference than, in what you're doing, then you know it's working. But it may not be as much as you want. And that's where you start to tweak things. You never just, you know, throw it out completely. It's though you have that aesthetic, the pricing, the offer, all of those things in combination. The channels that you put it on, the platforms, traditional, and then social media. All of those in combination are what you need to tweak to be able to get your idea and campaign out there. And that's where the marketing truly comes in because marketing is the numbers game. It's why I'm a creative brain. So I'm very nonlinear. That's my problem solving, my being a photographer. Um, I do arts and crafts. So that's that side of my brain, but I'm also very linear. I do Excel spreadsheets with pivot tables. I create, you know, very complicated calculations in Excel to be able to get numbers that I need. I can do pricing and different things like that. So I'm very linear. I do process flows, charts, and graph things out, and Gantt charts, and fishbone charts, and that's my mother's engineering DNA inside me. So I'm actually complicated that way, is that I'm both, and not everybody is both. Some people are only creative. Those are your artists. They typically be in that in, in that space. Then you have your linear, which are your engineers and your computer programmers. And those are very important brains to have. But when you get me and people like me, where we are, like I like to refer myself as an interdisciplinarian, is I cover a lot of different areas because I have a lot of interest and I'm both you know right brain and left brain. I'm ambidextrous, so I think that kind of translates to how I use my brain. So you find people like me, and you you 
kind of latch on because we as a you know as we want to help and so a noble warrior is somebody who would comp time or come up with pay it forward programs that are designed to really help people not just take your money because I see a lot of them out there that are you know especially some of these ads hey I've perfected my thing you know my this this and that and you know I can teach you this for for this well and they probably can but Sometimes they're there to help you and sometimes they're just you know, hoping that you click and pay and, and, and be done with it. So you really want to find that champion, um, that noble warrior that they would have had in the past, your clan leader, the one who rallies around you and, and makes sure that you're safe or teaches you really hard lessons that you might need to learn along the way and, and sometimes gives you tough love because you need the tough love to get to the next level. And that's when you start to trust that person as a trusted advisor, that even if they're giving you tough love, you know you have to learn a lesson from it. So that it's your job to learn the lesson. If it's tough love or, you know, because of, of you know, you're off track, okay, well then they're going to help get you on track, but they gotta wake you up to the fact that you're off the track. And sometimes that does take a shock to the system, but it's not that they don't love you. It's just that they love you enough that they're willing to do that to help get you on the right path. Um, that trusted advisor is somebody who's always going to put your interests first and their interests second. And that's how I truly see myself is that I'm more about helping people because I don't think about myself. I rarely do things for myself. Um, I've even convinced myself that like the things I do are for myself when they're for other people. Uh, let me give you an example. My PhD program, which is a very expensive PhD program, was because I'm, teach, I'm teaching at business schools, marketing and business and HR and English, and I'm teaching at art schools, English, photography, and then the fashion merchandising program, which is fashion is my love. And I'm looking at my art students and realizing that they're gonna fail at a more alarming rate than my business, which my business students aren't gonna do great, but my art students are horrible. Gonna, you know, their, their success rates at truly being successful. So I get into a program that's a art type program um, so I'll, ha I'll end up with a PhD in philosophy and aesthetics of art theory because I need to learn the language of academics and artists so that I can speak their language because as a business person, when I go in and start talking business, they push back. And I actually had a cohort of mine. When it got overwhelming for her, she pulled back. And that's the whole point about artists is that they want to do it in their own way but they're not ever going to be successful at the task of being an artist if they don't have somebody that they trust to push them in the right direction. So that's what this podcast, the tool, Master Toolbox is. How can I help you through these series of lectures or ideas or concepts or critiques um, that you can take away from those critiques ideas for your own business? And so that's my premise. So um, hopefully that you, you learn a lot and I'm able to help. Um, but again, I'm Professor Amy Keeley. Please see um, the information below for how to contact me. If you have any questions, please like my channel um, and subscribe. Um, again, it, it, it thrills me to be able to help. I get no better feeling in the world than being able to help people um, achieve what they didn't think they could achieve. And so I would say have a nice evening and click it till you win it. Have a nice night.